How you doing? My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at River City. Thanks so much for joining us in the worship guide this morning. So this week is the last week of the Hebrews devotionals that we've been doing the last few weeks. So just a heads up, next Sunday we're going to be using a new format that you can stay tuned for more information on. So, But one last time, let's jump into Hebrews. So this time we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. And again, if you don't have your Bible in front of you, the one that you read on your own, how about you press pause on this recording, go get it, bring it back, and then press play again. So it's good to read this stuff on your own and just not take my word for it. So, so here it goes. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. The writer, author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now that's a that's a unique phrase right there, like the great cloud of witnesses. If you want to know what that means, that's just referring to the list of Old Testament people in the Old Testament that the writer of Hebrews just talked about in chapter 11. So if you want to read that on your own sometime, great. But verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there are a ton of really great and helpful things to notice in that passage, but this morning I'm only going to hit on three things, and those three things are the goal, the process, and the obstacles. The goal, the process, and the obstacles. So first let's talk about the goal. So the author of Hebrews says that our lives are a lot like running a race. Now, maybe that analogy resonates, personally resonates with you because you are a runner, if, it cool, if that's the case, that's great. So like, I really admire people who like running and they're just like, oh, my, my mind just clear, is so clear when I run, I get my best thinking done when I run. That's great, because the only thing I can think of when I'm running is how much I hate running. But the author of Hebrews says that our lives are a lot like running a race. And the author says that when we're running that race, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't fix our eyes on the cloud of witnesses or the other people watching us run or what they think about us, how we're running. We don't fix our eyes on our feet. No, no, like we fix our eyes on, uh, our eyes ahead on Jesus because he's the goal. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the goal. Like the ultimate goal of your life isn't, health and wealth, or financial security, or maximizing your own potential, or the potential of your kids, or becoming the best version of you, or keeping an orderly and predictable life, or maximizing your educational or career goals. The ultimate goal of your life just isn't any of those things. And some of those things can be good, some of those goals can be good, but, you know, especially if they have the glory of God, like, rooted in, um, in those things. But those things aren't intended to be the ultimate goals of your life. Now, like, the goal of you is to fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the goal. He is the one you're running towards. Do you fully see him as the goal? Do you have other goals that compete with Jesus being your ultimate goal? So that's the first thing, the goal. The next thing is the process. 
The process by which this race is run is perseverance. That's one of the big themes throughout this passage right here. There are so many like overt and subtle things about perseverance in this passage. And the writer of Hebrews even highlights that perseverance is what, um, is what, man, what Jesus had when he was on the cross, scorning at shame. He had endurance, which is like, when you think about it, like that is varsity level perseverance right there that Jesus had. And we all intuitive, we all intuitively know what perseverance is. It's having a stubborn refusal to stop. And in this passage, it's talking about a good, healthy, sustainable, gospel-focused refusal to stop as we run towards Jesus. And when it's talking about perseverance here, like, did you notice that really loaded phrase in the middle of the passage about Jesus, that he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith? Like, if you want to run with perseverance towards Jesus as your goal, then you need to realize that your perseverance needs to be empowered by Jesus. You can't persevere on your own power. Jesus is the goal, and he's the one who empowers you with perseverance to run the race towards him. So with that in mind, in what ways is God inviting you into running towards him with perseverance right now? So there's the goal, there's the process, and then third thing is the obstacles. So verse one in this passage has always been so interesting to me. It says that during this race, we're to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So imagine that you're running a 5K race, which I've never done, and somebody has the gun. It's not a real gun, but it's a gun, and he shoots off the gun, and the race starts, and you are ready to start your run, your race, and run with perseverance with your eyes fixed ahead on Jesus, but you're not going anywhere because you look down and your feet are entangled in a rope around your feet. And that's what sin does, according to this passage. It easily entangles. And for all of us, God is calling us to untangle our feet so that we can run the race towards Jesus with perseverance. But there's another part of this verse too. So like, like um, if you look at like how it's worded, so it says to throw off everything that everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So you do not need to be a Bible scholar to infer what it's saying here is that not everything that hinders you is sinful. Not everything that hinders you is sinful. Now. Full closure, just like take, giving you a peek behind the curtain with stuff. So from a leadership perspective, giving practical examples about this um, stuff that hinders you that isn't sinful, sometimes that's often a higher, just a high wire act to talk about because first of all, we're talking about things that aren't sinful. And on top of that, some things that hinder people just don't hinder other people. You know, and on top of that, like sometimes giving practical examples about this kind of stuff can accidentally create this kind of weird culture of legalism, which I have no intention or desire to create. Ugh. Okay. So with all those qualifiers in mind, I'll just give one example from my life. 
and then you can find examples in your life. All right, so one thing that is not sinful that sometimes hinders me running my race with perseverance towards Jesus is being a fan of the NBA. Now, most of you couldn't care less about the NBA, and that's fine. But I'm applying this passage to my life and not yours. All right, so for me, it's really hard to explain, but there's sometimes the obsessive tendencies in my heart, because that's where it all starts. Sometimes the obsessive tendencies in my heart can become so inclined towards following the NBA that in one way or another, the deep foundational affections, if I want to use that word, of my heart start coming into competition between following Jesus or following the NBA. And in that way, following the NBA can sometimes become really unhealthy for me. And to use the language of Hebrews 12, it's hindering me. And again, following the NBA is not sinful. Like, but the most important, but the important thing um, that I've come to, one of the most important things to really clarify with all that is that like, man, like I've become more attuned over the years as I've gotten older to um, when it comes to recognizing for me when my NBA fandom has crossed the line into hindering me. So when that happens, the principle of throwing it, throwing it off has sometimes looked like just sheerly cutting down the sheer volume of um, time that I spend investing myself in that hobby. But like just that alone, that's just outward. That's just fixing myself on the outside. I don't know. It's like, like growing in Christ starts in the heart. Like that's where, that's where like, man, it really happens right there. So like one thing that I've done over the years is that like when I'm really struggling with that, one thing I've always prayed is, God, can you please help me to just not be obsessed with this in my heart, with like this hobby of mine? Because I don't want this non-sinful hobby to be in competition with you. And I've found that like every single time that I've prayed that over the years, I've seen how God has changed my heart to help me with that. And in that way, in that way, and here's like what to really remember, in that kind of way, when I'm praying that, I'm trusting God to be the perfecter of my faith. So it's not me just like changing something on the outside. No, it's just like, I'm not going to throw away that hobby, but man, it's like, I'm going to sh- cut down on the sheer volume, but man, it's like, God changed my heart. And I've seen that he, he does that over time. So here are three questions that I'm going to leave you with. And these are also in the worship guide. One, like, is Jesus your goal as you run your race with perseverance? Are there other goals that you have in your life that are in competition with Jesus? And two, in what ways is God inviting you into running towards him with perseverance? And three, in what areas of your life is God inviting you into throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles? And don't, don't fall into legalism with that. It's like, pray and ask God, like, what does that look like for you? What's he inviting you into? So those are the things that you're encouraged to pray about on your own. And then talk to God, talk to God about those things. Then talk to someone else about that later this week. So from here, you can jump into the rest of the worship guide. And thanks and have a great week.